It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Now I'm Googling Terrence Davis's butt. What's up? Welcome to episode number 586, I think it's 586, of Lockdown Raptors for Monday, late on Monday, October 21st. You're probably listening to this Tuesday. I apologize for the late episode. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, of course, of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Lockdown Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the Lockdown Podcast Network. We have so much stuff for you to listen to. The six division previews at Lockdown NBA, we've got Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko with Rejecting the Screen. Nate Duncan and John Hollinger are doing a show on the Lockdown NBA Network as well nationally once a week. Make sure you're checking all of that out to get ready for the NBA season as it is ring day on Tuesday for the Raptors and the season begins also, I suppose. But more importantly than that, it's ring day. Uh, also, uh, the NHL Network, we got a whole bunch of shows lined up for you on the Lockdown NHL Network. We are inching closer to filling out the entire roster of local hosts. We've got the Lockdown NHL National Show as well up and running. This is the first full week of shows over there. Make sure you're checking that out if you're a hockey fan or if you're not a hockey fan and you want to become one, this is a great way to do it because the people on the network know what they're talking about when it comes to the teams around the NHL. All right. On today's show, in the second and third segments, I'm going to be joined by David Ramil, who is the host of Locked On Heat, a very, very good NBA writer for Fanside and a bunch of other places, The Step Back. He is great, and we talked about the Miami Heat as part of our Teams You're Going to Hate series, getting into all the teams in the Eastern Conference, which is mostly just three teams that I think Raptors fans are really going to hate in the Sixers, the Celtics, and the Heat. I might do a Nets episode at some point, but as we're going to get into tomorrow on the podcast that I'm going to do with Lewis Zatzman in person after shoot-around before uh, the season opener for the Raptors, I'm not particularly high on the Nets. I think they're not very great, and I don't think they're really going to have to be a team that Raptors fans hate that much this season. There's not much you can hate about a team that is a bunch of bums plus Kyrie Irving. That's maybe a bit of a strong take. Whatever. I don't care. I'm in a very spicy mood today, and we'll get to that. Speaking of spice, we talk about the Miami Heat later. And, uh, yeah, all the reasons Raptors fans are going to hate that team. Deeply hateable team, that is. David's awesome, but the team itself, oh boy, it's going to be a very annoying team, very good at defense. Jimmy Butler is, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler. He wakes up at 3.30 a.m. He's on the Mark Wahlberg schedule. 
you know, he's very healthy, I'm sure. That's definitely the way to go about living a healthy lifestyle. And he's tricked the entire Heat team into doing it as well, which is very fun. So we get into some of that and much more. A prediction for the season for the Miami Heat with David Ramil coming up in just a second here. But first, I wanted to touch on the Pascal Siakam signing. One year, 130 million, sorry, one year, four years, $130 million max extension for Pascal Siakam, which I am happy with. As we talked about last week on Thursday, I believe, with Katie Heindel, I had come around on the idea and have warmed up to the idea of the Raptors just paying Pascal now. Considering the summer of 2020 is not going to be super loaded with talent, and even more so now after Jalen Brown and DeMontis Sabonis and Buddy Heald all signed extensions before the deadline on Monday, I am very much okay with the Raptors doing that with Pascal Siakam. Yes, you're missing out on the opportunity to potentially use your cap space to do other stuff, whether it's trades, whether it's taking on one-year bad contracts and getting uh, draft picks before those expire ahead of the summer of 2021. Whatever it is, yes, you're giving up a little bit of opportunity there, but the NBA is a fickle bitch, and you have to pay your guys. You have to take care of your guys. Otherwise, you risk potentially souring things down the road, and maybe that wouldn't have been an issue with Pascal Siakam considering his relationship with Masai Ujiri, but why risk it if you're not going to be doing much next summer anyway, and it's very clear that 2021 is your target summer? Why go crazy and... Uh, or why go crazy? Why not go crazy and just pay Pascal Siakam now? Even if Pascal Siakam is what he was last year, which is the second or third best player on a championship winning team, that's a max player. I'm sorry. Yes, the Raptors got a ton of surplus value out of him being what what he was on an entry-level deal, but you have to, like, that's a guy you pay. I'm just sorry. Like, teams would pay that money for him next summer. Teams would throw all sorts of money at him next summer. That's what it's going to cost to keep Pascal Siakam. Whether he has a bit of a downturn this season or not, which I don't think is likely, at the very worst, he's just the same player he was last year. And you know that, yeah, you need a couple stars around him or at least one star around him to really maximize him. Great. Then you know that that's what you need. That's how you go about building your team. If he proves this season he's much more than what he is or was last season and is the number one on a team, that also changes your calculus. That makes... The, t- the summer of 2021, maybe you don't have to go all out to get one free agent who we all know who we're talking about. Maybe you can work to sort of fill in the blanks around Pascal Siakam as opposed to pairing Pascal Siakam with a superstar. That's all on the table. I don't know if it's likely that Pascal becomes that kind of guy. I would bet against it. Like, I think he's probably going to be somewhere between like the 15th and 20th best player in the league. That's a great thing to have. That's a thing you pay the max for. I have no problem with that whatsoever. And so uh, very happy Pascal got paid. Very touching to hear him talk about his father and how he wished his father was there to see him sign the deal. I believe it's the two-year anniversary of his father's death um, coming up in just a couple days. And uh, that's that's a bummer, or it was just last week. And uh, I feel for Pascal there. And I'm also very happy for him to uh, get the bag because, man, that dude de- deserves it. He's put in so much work, and it's a very much deserved bag indeed for Pascal Siakam. Uh, other little news and notes that we haven't quite hit to. The roster seems pretty much set at this point. Malcolm Miller got the 15th spot. Campaign is gone, unfortunately, for those who like sideline dancing and nothing else. And Isaiah Taylor has been waived as well. Looks like he might be headed to the G League. Uh, still unsure at this point whether he's going to get that two-way or not, if he's going to accept it. Uh, also, Tyler Ennis is going to be on the G League team. That's fun and cool and local, and that's uh, not... Terribly important for the NBA team, but it's cool for people who like to go watch 905 games. Tyler Ennis, familiar face. 
uh, was pretty good over in Europe last season. I believe he suffered like a really, really bad injury and is working his way back, but uh, cool that he's going to get to do so for Raptors 905 and be a point guard down there for them. Um, if there's one thing that's interesting is if T Taylor and Ennis both report to 905, that might make it less likely that Terrence Davis ends up becoming a point guard for that team. And maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe those guys are going to swap spots anyway. But if they have a bunch of point guard depth down there, maybe it makes it more likely that Terrence Davis is just going to get to stick with the team right now, or at least get a shot to stick with the team. And then if he does that, then you don't have to worry about him going down to the G League to get point guard reps to improve that part of his game. Maybe he just sticks as a two and sort of a, a fill in the blank you know, in case of emergency, third string point guard, fourth string point guard, if we're really believe in this Pascal Siakam running point type of thing. So uh, maybe that's a sign there, but no, that's cool. O'Shea Brissett also gets a two-way contract. That's cool. Uh, Canadian guy, gotta love that. And he looked really good defensively in the preseason. And we'll see if he could do anything offensively. It's so hard with Syracuse guys because their system is stupid and tend to not really churn out great NBA players, but uh, maybe O'Shea Brissett can be uh, a difference there. And the fact that he had that relationship with Nick, Nick Nurse from the national team in the summer is pretty cool. And I, I'm sure that'll continue to help him along with what he's doing with the Raptors. I don't have a terribly strong opinion about O'Shea Brissett. I think he's cool, and I think it's a nice story that he got the two-way with the Raptors after going undrafted. Uh, and, yeah. And also a nice guy, O'Shea Brissett. I had him on a show once back in the day when I hosted, uh, when I produced a basketball show with Dwayne Watson and Will Strickland at TSN 1050. Uh, we had O'Shea in studio. He was a lovely uh, young man to deal with at that time, just about headed to Syracuse for his first season there. So big ups to O'Shea Brissett and Tyler Ennis and all the guys getting some run with the Raptors 905 Team Syracuse down there. I'm sure our pal John Chick will be happy. Shouts to him. Uh, all right, let's get into the second part of this podcast here. The meat of the podcast, after we've talked about the Pascal thing, uh, is the continuation of the Teams You're Gonna Hate series, and David Ramil was kind enough to join me to talk about the Miami Heat and all the reasons you're gonna hate them. And I hope you enjoy the conversation coming up in just a second. Before we get to it, a reminder that Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with 30 bucks off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering code LOCKEDON at checkout. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout for $30 off, $399 or more at Indochino.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, joining me now to continue on our Teams You're Gonna Hate series here on Locked On Raptors to talk about a team that I think Raptors fans have mostly hated for the last decade or so for to varying degrees and for different reasons here and there, obviously, as they've had different iterations, but the Miami Heat. Joining me to talk about them is the host of Locked On Heat, David Ramil. Dave, how's it going, bud? I am going. I'm doing well, man. Thank you so much for having me. I, I get a feeling that Miami is going to be hated by a lot of teams around the league, to be honest with you. I've just found Miami, you know, obviously they were hateable when they were the Heatles because they were the Heatles sure. and no one else was. That was obvious. And by by the end, they even became kind of likable because they were so old and raggedy and it was kind of <laughs> likable. But um, in recent years, they've just been very annoying. And I know mm. Raptors fans have a bit of a sour taste in their mouth still from 
the end of the 2018 season when Bam Adebayo hit Fred Van Vliet in the last meaningless game of the season. The Raptors were going for 60 wins, and they didn't get it. And also Fred got hurt and was kind of rendered ineffective for at least the first round and kind of most of that playoffs, playoff run uh, against the Wizards and Cavs. And obviously, bygones be bygones. They have a title now, so who cares? But there's still just like a, an annoyance that kind of comes with the Heat, and I think that's going to be even amplified when Jimmy Butler is now playing for this team. And, you know, Myers Leonard, too, has, you know, angered some people in the past as well. Uh, so I thought this was a perfect team for us to kind of hit on uh, as we go through here. I also think the Heat probably happened to be pretty good, and they're going to be right in the running with the Raptors for home court in the first round. So uh, those are all the reasons why I wanted to have you on. David, just sort of your reaction, I guess, to the offseason for the Heat, was it even expected the way it all kind of went down? I know the Butler thing kind of came out of nowhere. Um, were you expecting more? Were you expecting a Chris Paul trade? What were your sort of thoughts on how the Heat managed this offseason? A little bit of everything, to be honest with you. I remember going back as far as almost two seasons ago, almost two full years ago, and talking to Jimmy in the locker room when he was still with the Minnesota Timberwolves and, and hearing him talking about Andrew Wiggins and about the work ethic, and about needing to maximize his talent. And he just kept reiterating, work, 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 work. And I remember jumping on Locked on Heat later that day, or, or later that, that year, I can't remember exactly when, and just saying, man, this guy would be perfect for Heat culture. And obviously, even if you remember last offseason when he was forcing his way out of Minnesota, Miami seemed like a team that was this close to pulling off that trade. Mm-hmm. And... The sticking point apparently was whether or not they wanted to include Josh Richardson in any kind of trade. They didn't, and then he was obviously shipped to Philadelphia, and then they were willing to move Richardson after a year where he didn't take that leap that many people expected him to be, that he was given every opportunity to be the team's go-to player, especially in scoring situations late in games, and he did not really come up very highly in, in those kinds of situations. So it was clear to Pat Riley in the front office that they needed to make a move, and so getting Jimmy Butler... I, I wouldn't say that it was something that we expected, but at the same time, it has been on the radar for some time. And the biggest situation, obviously, the biggest uh, you know roadblock to that was the salary cap situation. They are a maxed out team. Um, they're hard capped. And so pulling off the trade seemed almost impossible. But they did whatever they had to do in order to make the, the, the move make work. And so they, they shipped out Josh Richardson. They finally sent away Hassan Whiteside, managed to send him to Portland. And they cleared enough cap space there so that they could acquire Jimmy and sign him to a max deal. So that was very good. Tyler here was a surprising draft choice for the Miami Heat. I remember talking about a number of picks that were available at 14 or 13, rather, and who we thought would be better fits for Miami. Hero was one that we evaluated, but we ultimately decided he just didn't fit what Miami was looking for as far as defensive tenacity and things of that sort. He just didn't have that kind of reputation coming out of high school in his one year at Kentucky. So that was really surprising. Mm -hmm. Somehow he managed to become a pretty solid player. He showed out in in summer league. He's looked pretty decent in spots during the preseason. And so I'd have to say the offseason's pretty pretty good. Bam Adebayo's inclusion in Team USA's training camp, that was unexpected. But I think a lot of Heat fans kind of saw that he had the potential. He's a good all-around player. He doesn't jump out in any one specific way, but he kind of fits the mold of what Team USA is looking for as far as role players that can contribute towards winning, and Bam has always done that uh, in his two years with Miami. And so that was also very good. So overall, I mean, you look at the offseason, very surprising that they got Jimmy, but, you know, something that has been on the radar, like I said, and the fact that they were able to pull it off 
has really changed the dynamic of this team because mm-hmm. the thing that's been really weighing them down for the past couple seasons is that they haven't had a clear go-to player. Mm-hmm. For many times, it was actually Dwayne Wade, even at 36 or 37, and he was no longer as skilled as he once was. And so now you have a clearly designated number one player, and the kind of role players that they've been amassing over the last three or four seasons all have their natural place in the hierarchy, and it seems like it fits very well. And so they've actually looked really, really good during the preseason. Yeah, I, just to go back to the Butler thing for a second, it's like a perfect marriage of player and organization. I think like the Heat are definitely the most wake up performatively at three thirty a.m. and go to practice team, <laughs> and so I think it's perfect. And I mean, it, and I just like I Jimmy Butler as a person I that like to root for. I have never really sort of jived with all that much. I think he is a little too much, and. and you know, I, I don't know. That's that's my personal opinion, I guess. But, like, it was undeniable last year in the playoffs watching that dude. Like, that dude's a monster. And I think he's going to be really, really good on this Heat team. And I think the Heat are, you know, I have reservations about them for some different reasons. But I also think Butler is so good. And we saw when he was on that Minnesota team. Like, that team was not terribly good. I mean not good at defense not you know they had Andrew Wiggins they were not terribly deep and still they were like the third best team in the west when he was healthy and so I just I think it's a really really good fit and it makes the heat all that much more annoying to play against for sure um and so from there I guess kind of going into how it's all gonna look this is a weird and bizarre team Goran Dragic is seemingly a point guard. Speaking of people who Raptors fans hate Goran Dragic is up there for sure um you know there's you know, he seems like, in theory, you just start him a point guard and that's normal, but it doesn't really seem like that is what they're trending towards. There's been a lot of talk of him coming, coming off the bench. There's been uh, Justice Winslow, obviously, worked as a point guard last season, sort of taking over from Josh Richardson a little bit after Richardson wasn't quite uh, up to the task as sort of a number one lead guard, and Winslow kind of was uh, in a bit of a surprising turn of events. You've got Butler, who's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. There's two bigs that you think they're probably going to start with, with Adebayo and Olinick, and I think that's like an interesting, cool front court, and I'm always here for two bigs in the front court because I want more teams to play differently and not just play uh, all samey across the league, so I'm pro that front court. I, I just, how is this all going to come together rotation-wise, and how do you think like the Heat are going to close games? Because they probably have more than five guys who would be justified to be up there in whatever you think the best lineup the Heat can throw out there is. What do you think that lineup is? Well, can I go back a second? Why yeah. is it that Raptors fans hate Dragic? I just, I'm not quite I sure. I feel like he's like used to, he's got a lot of cheap shots in games. I feel like Kyle's tried to fight him a couple times. I feel like there's just been like in-game sort of chicanery, if I recall. But maybe, okay. I'm, maybe I'm just looking at his mugshot on uh, Google right now and I'm just annoyed by it. I don't know. It could just be that. <laughs> actual mugshot like he was arrested at one point no 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 just like the oh. the team picture uh he's got like a double chin going on which i'm sure pat riley will shame off of him shortly uh <laughs> and uh no i just feel like there's been in-game stuff sorry i'm really leaning into the whole team you're gonna hate uh theme of the show today david I, no I'm no not... <laughs> no I, i'm totally cool with that like I, that's one of the things that i find fascinating is like the perception of players because like goron honestly is like one of the nicest people to talk to oh he seems and, like it yeah i just and, and yeah. he's won like the media award for being the most open I remember the first time I spoke with him he actually like capped the team bus waiting for an extra 15 minutes just so he can have a one-on-one with me and he kind of went into the whole the detail of why he does create space with the patented move which is called the iron shoulder 
it's because he lacks athleticism and explosiveness, and so he has to create space around the rim, which is why he's always, throughout his career, finished at such a high level around the rim. And, and uh, I just found this very fascinating and interesting about him. And then I hear like a lot of people around the league from other media types that just don't like Goron or, or their, <laughs> their fans don't like Goron. I'm like, wow, really? This guy, Goron? So it's interesting. He but, fought, you know, to, yeah, yeah, I just looked at it. He fought DeRozan. Remember that? They fought at the end of a game once. Uh, they, I mean, it wasn't like a, like a real Serge Ibaka fight, but it was a fight sure. nonetheless. Uh, January 10th, 2018 looks to be the date. So Yeah, I, I kind of sort of remember yeah. it. I think DeRozan was kind of initiating a lot of Oh, that, I think he was. Like, I think the Raptors lost and DeRozan was mad. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, look, it's a, it's a biased opinion on this, but I'm just, I'm just speaking okay. from the perspective of aggrieved yeah. Raptors fans because, boy, Raptors fans love to be aggrieved. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. So, as far as his fit, he's coming off the bench. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, he's almost 34 now. He missed most of last year. Uh, nursing a knee injury, he was playing uh, you know a full year after having won the Euro League championship, and I, I think all that wear and tear at this point is his career is just taking its toll, and so he's probably better suited in a bench role. And so you're right, Justice is going to be starting a point guard, and he's looked good in that capacity in the preseason. He had 12 assists against the Orlando Manage- Magic in their I think fourth game of the preseason. Um, has just shown a real aptitude for making some very sharp passes. He's He's got a bigger body, obviously. Um, he's, he's not a speedy point guard, but he's a sharp passer, and, and I think it's, it's going to work well. And again, to your point, there are a number of ball handlers on this team, not just Goran Dragic off the bench, but you've got Justice, you've got Jimmy in the starting lineup. Bam Adebayo brings the ball up a lot, and you've got bigs who can make plays as well, not just Bam, but Myers Leonard's a good passer, and Kelly Olenek's a really good passer. And so you've got a number of players there that are in that 10-man rotation that can make plays. Uh, James Johnson's out of the rotation. He's still a very good ball handler and initiator, too. So that kind of makes their offense a little bit more electric than it's been in the past. They've been mostly you know, conf- uh, confined to half-court sets because of Hassan Whiteside and his slow-plotting play. Now that's not the case anymore. You've got Bam pushing the pace. You've got Jimmy Justice, all those guys capable of, of maintaining a high pace. And so they're all good passers. They all swing the ball around. It doesn't stick as much, at least from what we've seen in five preseason games. And I think we're going to see more of that during the regular season. And so that starting lineup, yeah, with the two bigs, I can understand the concerns there. But you've got a big who's probably going to be starting in Myers Leonard who can stretch the floor. Mm -hmm. And so you've got a three-point shooting big. He can make some passes from the top of the key. Uh, He can initiate offense or find cutters going to the rim, things of that sort. Bam is certainly capable as a playmaker, and he's also very switchable on defense, and so that creates a lot of mismatches as well. He can guard he can guard ball handlers, he can guard bigs, he's big, athletic, etc. And so all these different things that make him such a versatile, useful player. And uh, you know, with their starting line, the only hole that they have right now, at least for what we can see, is at the small forward position. You know, mm-hmm. we're not quite sure what's going to happen there. Spolster has been starting Tyler Hero in some moments. He's also started Duncan Robinson, who we expect to be a little bit deeper in the rotation. Um, so that, that starting line is a little odd, but again, you've got enough ball handlers, you've got enough playmakers there, you've got enough shooting, I think, and that kind of makes them a little bit more dangerous. And then their bench actually looks pretty good. Uh, they've got some good ball handlers there. You've got some good shooting in Kelly Olenek and Dragic. Um, you got some nice defense cap- cap- capacity as well with Derek Jones Jr. It looks to be an, a much more interesting rotation than what we've seen in the past. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with 
all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I got to say, when they made all the moves in the summer, I really thought that was going to sort of sap them of their depth. And at the time, it looked like, hey, they probably have like six, maybe seven useful players. I've never been much of a Dion Waiters guy, so I was not really counting him in that useful sort of in the, in the interest of winning basketball games rotation piece uh, count. And so I was a little concerned, but... When you look at what Hero's done so far and like Kendrick Nunn going off for 40 points in a preseason game, I'm not sure how he's going to fit in, but he's a guard. He can sort of handle it a little bit if you need an extra boost off the bench. Like it does sort of seem like a bit of a deeper roster than maybe I would have thought a little bit earlier on in the offseason. And that is scary because it's it's a team where, look, I'm not sure what Jimmy Butler rates out to in terms of like players in the Eastern Conference. Like, I don't know if he's like third or if he's fifth or seventh or whatever he is. He's very, very good. He's going to be an all-star, all that. But even around him, even if he's not like one of the two or three best players in the conference, there aren't many bad players around him. And it's just like a bunch of competent guys. And there's potentially something even more than that in Bam Adebayo, who I want to talk about next, who... Is kind of the sexy, like, it feels like him and Jonathan Isaac are, like, the two most improved mm-hmm. candidate guys that everyone's throwing around as the sexy names there. And, like, I like Bam a lot. I think Bam is really talented. He always seems to sort of pop whenever the Raptors play Miami, and, and he just sort of stands out, and he just he looks pretty impressive. He's got some passing acumen for a big man, which is really cool to see, and I am pro-passing big men. Uh, he's got a lot of energy. He's got nice touch. Um what is Bam though? Like, what what are you expecting from him in his third season now, age twenty two, as he sort of rounds into maybe by the end of the season being considered like the second best player on this team? Is that going to be a good enough player to sort of prop up Jimmy Butler and sort of make this a more dangerous team than maybe uh, sort of the projections based on what Bam has been uh, maybe would suggest? I, I think he'll just be a very highly competent role player, and that's kind of who he's been over the first couple seasons of his career is that he's just he's really good at doing a lot of little things mm-hmm. it's winning plays that's a, a phrase that Eric Spolster likes tossing around a lot and and as you mentioned he does pop out he doesn't he's not going to dominate the scoreboard or he's not going to put up some gaudy numbers or anything like that but at the same time he's just he's going to defend at a high level uh, he's going to get his points around the rim he's going to clean up rebounds he, he, he defends a number of positions he makes passes for others and so I think with Jimmy there drawing most of the attention, that frees up Bam maybe to be a little bit more. I'm not so certain he'll be a more high usage, but I think he'll just be even more effective and efficient in his touches. Mm-hmm. He's not going to get a whole heck of a lot of them. I think he's just he is going to initiate offense every once in a while, and like I said before, he does bring the ball up on occasion. So those are good opportunities there where he can create this mismatch as a six foot nine, two hundred and sixty pound man brings the ball down and the defense hasn't had time to set yet and as, as good a pass as he is that makes up for opportunities for others I don't see him being an all-star either it's just he's a very good player who can do a lot of good things and and that seems to be enough again it, it, if if there was a knock, knock on this team before that so they didn't have a star and now that they have one in Jimmy it allows the role players to play their roles even more effectively and I think that's the strength of this team and maybe 
you know, if if you look at other teams in the past who have won with an accumulation of incredible talent, Miami isn't that. They've just got much more consistent depth and I think much more solid role play than a lot of teams do, and that's probably their biggest strength this season. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And I guess sort of in the same vein as Bam, in terms of guys who have like real upsides, maybe sort of become that second-ish star if they were to have them, would be Justice Winslow as well, um, yeah. who last season, as we mentioned, sort of took over the point guard duties for the team. Uh, I'm, it's, he's going to be the starting point guard, I'm guessing, going in. Yeah, it yeah. looks like that's the case. Yeah. Again, I mean, between him, Bam, and Jimmy, they're all capable ball handlers, but it looks like Justice is getting the most of those touches over the preseason anyway. Yeah, and, and so last season, kind of sneakily pretty good from outside as well, which was never yeah. really something that was quite in his bag. He was just under 38% on four attempts a game, uh, like 13, 5, and 4 over the course of the season with a steal. Like that, That's pretty nice from a guy who's only 22 what sort of upside is there for Justice Winslow? And I know there have been some sort of you know people thrown around, uh, and this can sort of tie back to the Raptors a little bit in terms of like trade candidates and whatnot. I know Zach Lowe in particular has talked about like Justice Winslow for Kyle Lowry is like a trade that in theory would help sort of fill the holes of what the Heat are looking for and also um, you know satisfy the Raptors' desire to trade Kyle Lowry, which I don't think think exists. And I'm going to just get it out there and say this. I don't think this trade's happening by any means. I don't think the Raptors are trading Kyle Lowry. I think their contract signals that they're not doing that at all. So um, this doesn't have to be a trade Justice Winslow question, but like, what is he? Can, can he be sort of that second star? Is he someone that they maybe look to flip and sort of as a way to improve and, and get a second star? Um, you know, we know that the Heat are always kind of on the lookout for stars, and that's sort of Pat Riley's mo. What sure. is Justice Winslow's role in all that? I, I think this is a, a big test for him, and I know that seems kind of vague and maybe not the answer you're exactly looking for, but I think. You know, he hasn't had those opportunities in the past because they've had other ball handlers of other guys. I mean, he had a taste of it last season, but not enough to really get a, a good sample size and determine whether or not he's capable of, of handling that role uh, effectively. And I think we're going to start to see that over the course of the season, at the start of the season in particular, and then see how he handles it. If he has moments where he falters, where he struggles, where he, he maybe loses his scoring touch because he's concentrating so much on making plays for others then he's rendered less effective, and I think Miami would be willing to move him for a more more established player, not necessarily a Lowry, but either Chris Paul or somebody like that. Look, in the offseason, they were heavily interested in Russell Westbrook. They were interested in Chris Paul, although that has a lot to do with his contract and age, and so that's why that trade didn't fall through. But, I mean, they were going to move Goran Dragic over the summer because they had so much faith in Justice Winslow's ability to handle the point guard position, and so he is their starting point guard for now. And at the very least, they're going to test him out to see how he handles it playing alongside Jimmy, who is, of course, somebody who can handle the ball and can make plays for others as well. So Justice is a very, very good defender. Um, you know, he's very versatile. He's, he's incredible at, at guarding one through five, to be honest with you. He's got quick hands. He's a dogged, determined defender. Um, as a shooter, it's hard to tell exactly what the case might be because, again, he did show upside last season, mm-hmm. and I think we're starting to see pro- – progress over the first couple of years of his career his rookie season obviously very you know, he struggled from the perimeter I think that's more a steady part of his game although I'd like to see him up those attempts a little bit more and be able to make it consistently from at least 37 percent from three-point range and if that's the case then you have a legitimate weapon there who will draw defenses and create mismatches 
His mid-range game isn't great. He does have a floater that he's been working on. Again, he's taller than most guards. He's taller than most ball handlers. And so he's going to have some opportunity there to create offense for himself. He's got to finish at the rim a little bit better. That's a part where he struggled over the past. But as a secondary start, it's, it's hard to tell. Again, I, I, much like Bam, it seems like he's probably going to be a very, very good, effective role player playing off of a, an established star like Jimmy. But he can do it all, and he can make those winning plays as well. And that's something that Miami really takes pride in, and I think that's why they're willing to give him the opportunity to prove that he can handle this position. And then if he falls, he fails in that regard, then they'll look to upgrade it. But for now, I think they're pretty cap- they're comfortable with him starting at that position. Yeah, you could do worse than having Winslow and Bam as guys who are upside plays, and you know, seeing how that works out before really sort of deciding. You know, and you, those are very clearly good trade chips as well. If you if there's a star out there you want to go and try to acquire, if one comes yeah. available, there's not exactly any out there right now. But you know, who knows? Stuff happens. The NBA is weird, uh, as we've seen a lot. And having those chips is is pretty nice, even if they don't have their picks really around. Uh, to do much with those you know those are some pretty interesting young guys who I think would be sort of top tier um, guys to move on for stars if the opportunity arises Uh, so with all that David let's sort of just look at the prediction that you have for this team this season I I think for me I think I had the heat uh, fourth in the east yeah I think I picked them fourth I think they'll probably make the second round, maybe losing the second round of the Bucks. That's kind of what I'm thinking is their trajectory for this season. Something close to 50 wins, 48-49, something in there. Um, I'm just behind the Raptors. Where do you see the Heat finishing this season? And you know, I guess you can sort of bake in any trade possibilities. If Chris Paul is on the table, uh, maybe that changes the calculus here for you. Um, but just based on what you think is the most likely outcome for this team, where do you think they, they go this season? Ironically enough, I find that it's pretty similar to your own prediction. I think 49 wins, probably a fourth seed, unless we get an incredible growth from Bam Adebayo or Justice as a secondary player there. Mm-hmm. Something that I'm not exactly predicting right now. I think they've got enough depth. They've got a good offense. You know they're going to play defense at a high level, and all those things do translate to pretty you know, a pretty high number of wins during the regular season. Uh, and, and, you know, I think Jimmy is going to win them a number of games where they didn't have that established star in the past or somebody who was able to come through in clutch situations, now they definitely have somebody like that. And Jimmy, somebody who's, you know, he's thrived in those kinds of situations. And so I think that's good for probably an extra three, four, maybe even as many as five wins over the course of the regular season. Um, you know, they, they're, I could see them making it to the second round, you know, if everything works perfectly. And, you know, if, if one of those top two, you know, top two teams in the Eastern Conference struggle with injuries, if Joel Embiid's out for a playoff series or, or Giannis for some reason is out, maybe Miami has a chance of slipping past them and moving all the way up to the conference finals. But that seems like you're counting on an awful lot. I think at this point their ceiling is probably closer to a second round exit. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to them uh, beating the Celtics in the second round, in the first round. <laughs> it's uh, the, another team that we did a teams you're gonna hate preview of. Uh, I think people hate the Celtics more than the Heat. That is for sure. Uh, nobody. I can't see why? Like, see, that doesn't seem like it makes much sense to me. Like, especially Boston not playing defense at a high level and having, you know, Kemba Walker there. I mean, Walker's a likable enough player. I don't know anybody who really despises Kemba Walker, but Miami's just gonna be. They're going to be really annoying. Like I got to be honest with you, even from an outsider's perspective, <laughs> I could totally see why you would hate Miami with their defense, with the guys that just they're just going to get into your everybody and, and just 
really try and throw them off, and it's it's they're gonna be annoying to watch. I can I can totally see that. Yeah, I, I think they. You're probably right in that. Like aesthetically, they'll be a more annoying team, and like they'll be the team you want to play against less. Because let's be honest, Boston's not stopping anybody this year. I don't think. Um, right. and Miami's going to make you work on a January Wednesday on a back to back when you don't want to work, and that will be sure deeply hateable. I just find the Celtics discourse to be a little more uh, over the top. Also, Gordon Hayward, blah. Uh, don't need Brad Stevens in my life. Uh, that That's sort of, and, you know, just the Celtics of it all. Bill Simmons, sure. like, yeah. You know, it's everything being about the Celtics all the time at some websites. That That's sort of where that, that comes from, I think. Uh, the Heat, it's less pervasive in terms of just, like, constant, what, what about the Heat of it all? And I think that is what leads to them being slightly less hateable than our most hateable team, the Boston Celtics, for sure. Uh, who is not hateable is you, David. Thank you so much for coming on the show, dude. This was a lot of fun. Uh, you do great work. You are, without hyperbole, one of the very best writers covering the NBA. I don't say that lightly. I think you are incredible. Uh, your future work is awesome, and people should absolutely be listening to Lockdown Heat and reading your stuff. I really appreciate that, man. And always a pleasure to join you on the podcast, and uh, I would be happy to do it during the regular season when the Maybe uh, things are a little less vitriolic between the two teams. Yeah, no, it'll be nice and hunky-dory in a nice December where it, they're they're fighting for seeding. I'm sure nothing bad will happen. I'm sure no illegal screens will be Not set on either side. It'll be great. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's uh, Dave Vermill from Lockdown Heat. Make sure you're subscribing, rating, and reviewing Lockdown Heat on wherever you get your podcasts, uh, whatever platforms you get your podcasts on. And uh, that's going to do it for today's show. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts as well. And please, if you have yet to purchase We The Champs, it's uh, ring day when you're listening to this probably. Make sure you're getting We The Champs and you can sit it with it on your coffee table while you watch the defending champion Toronto Raptors go on their run uh, through the Eastern Conference once again. It should be a lot of fun. Make sure uh, you get that book, Indigo, Amazon, wherever you get your, uh, get your books, all that good stuff. And... Uh, I don't know where I'm going with this exit. I'm going to end it now. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you on Tuesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.